Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning on your favourite podcasting app or of course Friday evenings on RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes, you're welcome to show number 925, brought to you this week in association with Avanad, a company who have touched all our lives in the last year and we'll find out their fascinating story in around 10 minutes. But first I'm joined by our editor Niall Kitson to find out about all the news of the week and I suppose in technology the big story is lots of people running around with sweat rolling down their foreheads going it's crashing it's crashing uh once again yeah yeah only this time spare a thought for three arrows capital uh hedge fund specializing in all things crypto uh, apparently they defaulted on a, a loan with the crypto bank Voyager, uh, a multi-million dollar loan at that and has now gone into liquidation so we have yet another victim of the crypto crash uh, we're going to we're going to file bitcoin under that seeing as it's had its value absolutely slashed we've had the cryptocurrency terra implode and the crypto bank celsius uh, implode not too long after and then on top of that, we've had Michael Saylor from MicroStrategy, who's very famous in the Bitcoin space, uh, saying that, hey, guys, I've just bought $10 million worth. And then Robert, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, I hope I get his name right, the guy who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You've heard of that book. Mm-hmm. He was on Twitter during the week going, yeah, it's falling. Uh, when it gets to 11,000, I'm going to buy, buy, buy. As in he's going to purchase. <laughs> 11,000. Well, okay. I guess that's You're... what he's. But the funny thing is, is that we think he made a typo because what he actually put was 11. <laughs> we think we're missing the K at the end of that. <laughs> I suppose so. But listen, you have news because we have got uh, uh, lots is going to happen with Bitcoin in the coming week as well. I just know. So next yeah. week on the show, we've got a really, really special guest. Tell me about her. Yeah, we've got the very excellent and knowledgeable Rachel Pether, uh, who will be on to explain all about the the current crypto crash uh, and also about the value of NFTs, uh, if they actually have any. So stick with us next week. We've got a really great interview uh, to give uh, give you a deep dive on what's happening in all things crypto at the moment. Okay, back here uh, this week, we've got some good news from the EU, especially is, is, is holiday season, providing, of course, you're able to battle your way through through the airport in Dublin and battle your way onto a plane and providing, of course, that that plane actually takes off and is not cancelled. Yeah, well, one of the nice things about being in the EU is that for the last few years, we've had Rome like home. Uh, the idea being that, you know, you, you should be able to make a call on your mobile phone and it should be the same cost as if you were making a domestic call. Um, it looks like that's going to be extended until 2032 uh, for all those EU member states. So not to the UK, but uh, to any, anywhere else in the EU, uh, Rome like home will be sticking around. And, and that goes for data i think as well but there was an issue with data the last time that they were a bit more flexible there there was like a um uh, there was a ceiling in place basically because some countries uh infrastructure can handle um unlimited data uh, and others can't so there is still there will still be a window uh in there sort of a, a ceiling if you will um but uh, otherwise if you're making a phone call roam like home Okay. Uh, other good news as well is GoCar are expanding beyond the urban centres. This is a brilliant operation. Tell me about it. It is. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of GoCar because uh, I'm I'm 
living in a, a household that does not own a car. But we, thankfully, we have access to one because within 100 meters of our house, we have a go-car. Mm. And uh, go-car is basically an hourly rental system for uh, electric vehicles. And it works sort of uh, off a mobile app where you basically can identify your car, you can book your journey, you go over and you unlock your car uh, using the app, and then you can sort of, you log the start and end of your journey, uh, and you get charged by the hour. Uh, It's a wonderful service. For the last while, it's been running in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway, uh, naturally enough, because those are the big urban urban centres. But now they're branching out even more into Kilkenny, Wexford, Waterford, Kildare, Meath, Louth, Mayo, Wicklow, Westmeath and Kerry. So really growing their reach around the company Mm. um, and uh, putting in a million, uh, million euro. Uh, and they're looking to bring their fleet of vehicles to 860 from, I think it's 700 at the moment. So as I say, a great service to have if Mm. you live in sort of a city. Think of it as akin to being sort of like one of the bike schemes, you know? You don't need to to use it, but it's a good thing to have. The Um, only thing that kind of put me off when I was using them um, was that I would have the car, but of course I need to get somewhere and I get there. Brilliant. Then I need to do something. So I'm not using the car for those two or three hours and then I need to get back. So I'm mm. actually only driving for maybe an hour, but I'm paying five hours worth of uh, uh, driving. I was going to put me off just a little bit. Um, whereas, and this will sound very grand, uh, but it's 20 years ago when I was learning how to fly, uh, when you'd be playing for the plane, the little plane you'd be learning in, that you would pay for the time that you were flying, not for the actual time that you were filling it with fuel or that you'd rented it for. Do you know what I mean? So like if you were mm. booking a lesson, the plane will be yours, say between 10 and one, but you might actually only fly for an hour, if that makes any sense. But isn't that to do with getting your qualification that you have to log your flight hours? Oh yeah, that's a, that, that, that's that's another aside, all right? But the, the right. actual rental of planes will be done, they call it the taco hour, and it's the hours that you are actually flying for. And this is something that Ryanair has kind of brought into uh, into its business model, where it'll only pay its staff, as in its cabin crew and its pilots, for the time they are actually flying. So if you were stuck on the ground on your holidays, as it seems to be lots of planes are at the moment, and you see your cabin crew going absolutely fuming mad, it's because they are not being paid <laughs> during that wow. delay. Mm. So I've said it, you know, a couple of times when I'm flying and stuff like that, like, and I just see the cabin crew and I just, I catch their eye and I go, God love you. And you'd want to see the expressions yeah. I get back. They're like, ah. <laughs> but go-kart is great. And then one thing I would absolutely urge anybody listening who's got a regular car and hasn't driven an electric car just yet, rent one for an hour for the crack just to go joyriding in, if you want to put it that way, or take a test drive, as sensible people would say. Um, because take driving an electric drive. car... Is actually it's a, it's 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 a strange experience when you do it first, but you kind of get used to it quite quickly. Well, um, you know the wonderful and talented Mrs. Kitson was doing a course quite recently, and um, she was learning all about the film industry and uh, how you know different brands like to have their products represented uh, on film. 
And uh, there was a scene uh, in a film involving an electric car. And um, there was something, you know, something was required to show, you know, a car revving or, you know, increasing at speed. And you would normally expect, you know, a growling engine to go beside it. Um, so, you know, that was that was dubbed in as normal. Um, but then the owner of the brand got back, or rather the, the brand marketing department got back and said, look, you've got to take away that sound because our cars actually don't make any noise. So even if that car was, you know, accelerating not to 60, it doesn't make that noise. It doesn't make any noise. It does. Well, it does make a little bit of a noise, all right? And, and the noise it makes, and I'm old enough to remember, is that it sounds like a milk truck from years ago, um, <laughs> which, which, always makes me, uh, which always makes me smile now and ever. Um, now, Go Car, it's a long time since I, I've signed up, and I've signed up for so many of these things that I've just forgotten, right? Um but I remember signing up for one of these things and you have to put in your credit card details as you usually have to do. You have to take a scan of your driver's license. Okay, that's fine. You do that. And then you have to take a photograph of yourself with your driver's license in order to prove that it's you. And I kind of get that. And I kind of think, all right, yeah, if it's a car or whatever, I mean, you are borrowing 20 grand, 30 grand worth of uh, mm-hmm. hardware, like, you know, so you kind yeah. of understand it. But would you go through all of that to verify your Instagram account? That's that's an it both a very very subtle segue and a good question. <laughs> Instagram wants to verify your age and they want to do so using an AI photo of yourself to prove Ooh. that you're over 13. Okay, right. How's that going to work? I presume you take a photo uh, and the AI is able to to, to guess your age from your look. Right. So, so, you know, the, the straight away you want something without makeup, without filters, just that the AI can see whatever okay, happens to there's be, a yeah. couple of wrinkles up there mm-hmm. or, you know, there's some laughter lines or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, little details like that, that come upon as one ages, uh, goes through life. Mm-hmm. So that is very interesting for an app that relies so much on artifice and, you know, making us look like versions of ourselves that aren't isn't necessarily true. Well, uh, in if, order to, to get there, you need to show a version that is completely unvarnished. If they do it on Instagram, they're going to do it on Facebook. Mm? Yeah. When I saw this story, I went, no way, over my dead body, my account will die before I do that. Because <laughs> it's just, I don't trust them. I do not trust them. You know, yeah. Why do you know? Suddenly, all of a sudden, their Facegram, Instagram, Facegram. <laughs> That's good. I should Facegram. set up a new one. It's my new <laughs> social network. It's called Facegram. Facegram. Uh, Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's quite possible they've got your your fingerprints. <laughs> it's got an AI version of your face. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Facial recognition and stuff like that. You know, kind of, and and you know, it knows where you live. It knows where you've been. It knows who your friends are. It's, it's like, are they feeding that into you know, kind of their commercial side of things? I just, I just don't like it at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't like yeah. it at all. But that leads me on to another segue and another question. Okay, here we go. Because this week, Snapchat are mm-hmm. talking about introducing Snapchat Plus. All right. Do people still use Snapchat? I don't know. That's irrelevant. All right. Um, but they're going to charge. <laughs> they're going to charge. I think four dollars a month. All right, fifty right. quid a year. All right. Um, but and for that, you get this feature and that feature and da da and lots of other things. And I think one of them is that uh, no ads. 
Now, I like that price point of $4 or €4 Euro a month, 50 quid a mm-hmm. year. Would you pay that to not have any ads on your Instagram or not have any ads on your Facebook or not have any ads on Instagram? Hmm. It's only four quid a month. Yeah. You see, here's the thing. Here's the. It's a matter of when did you get the deal, right? If you were to go, okay, Netflix is charging you X amount for another two euros a month, you won't get pre-roll ads. If you want to keep paying what you do, you're going to get pre-roll ads. You're used to paying for Netflix. So you'll go, yeah, okay, probably I'll deal with that inconvenience. Mm -hmm. But when you've been getting something for free already, and bear in mind, it's not a case of, you know, uh, if you pay us this, we will stop collecting data from you. I pay for that. But it's a case of you've been giving us this stuff already. Um, whether you like it or not, we're giving you these ads. Mm. Uh, if you really don't like it, give us money and you won't see those ads. But you, we're still going to take your data. We're still going to make money off you. That's where it kind of it, it, it got me. I'm looking up a re- YouTube a premium, okay, because they do exactly this. If you want to watch YouTube without any of the ads, uh, I'm trying to discover how much it is. Uh, so it's a hundred and it's about twelve quid a month. Now twelve quid a month to me for no ads on YouTube, not too much. Too much, far too much. But if it if was, was four older- quid a month for no ad because YouTube are absolutely the um, they say talk about interruptive advertising but YouTube mm. have brought interruptive advertising to a whole new level yeah <laughs> they, they've turned five seconds into the longest oh, period of time man. yeah but it's not even that alright it's like you know when you're watching a movie on TV and an ad comes it comes you know, at an appropriate moment where there's a pause mm. in the story or something like that. Or if you watch your TV programs in that break, we'll be back after the ads. Da, da, da. In YouTube, somebody yeah. is in the middle of a buy Bitcoin today. It's only $10,000. Yeah. Bum up, back to your program now. It interrupts you just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Drives me nuts. <laughs> I'm not having a good day. I had problems with the car earlier. I was telling you about it. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I will be using GoCar later. Right. <laughs> let's, let's move right on. Uh, Snapchat Plus, anyway. Yes, they're going to bring it in. So that is an interesting question. Deals, deals, deals. Um, Amazon Prime Day is coming 12th of July. I think it is 12th, 13th, 14th, somewhere in around there. I can't remember exactly. But one of the deals I have seen mentioned, and I think this is nice, is a ring doorbell, all right? Lots of people use this mm-hmm. and they've got the video camera, da, 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 whatever. But you can pair it up with an Echo Show 5. And the Echo Show is like the little uh, uh, Alexa jobby with uh, mm-hmm. uh, the screen on it and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it works quite well in the bedroom um, or you can have it in the kitchen or in an office or whatever. And it actually has the screen there. So it kind of ties the two very nicely together. And I think the pricing they're doing it at the moment, I think the Echo, whatever way it works is that they're going to do it for like 90 quid for the two, which means essentially you're either getting the doorbell for free or you're getting the Echo Show 5 for free. I can't remember which one it is, but it looks like a nice deal. Um, German site I had a look at that uh, and they're doing the Echo Show 5 with a blink camera for about 110 now mm. these these are today's prices during Amazon Prime Day could be half that yeah yeah so are yeah. you gonna are you looking for anything on Prime Day yourself or do you bother I'm, I'm not I don't really bother right. um, 
because we're we're living the Marie Kondo life over here. Uh, if something does not spark joy, it's not coming in. It's not coming in the door. Excuse me, uh, which is very very tough <laughs> when one works in technology. <laughs> yeah. Very very tough. <laughs> oh, I think we better move on, just in case the uh, uh, the talented, as I believe you referred to earlier, Mrs. Kitson is listening. <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of uh, Alexa, here's a new thing that they are bringing out. I think this is my last story for this week. It is. Um, they're going to enable you to change Alexa's voice to be a synthesized version of someone you know. That is terrifying. Because it could be someone you knew who has since passed away. And that, their synthesized that's... voice will still be there to tell you what the weather is. Granny, yeah. turn on the lights. <laughs> no. That's that's a hard pass from here. Wouldn't that and absolutely I, freak somebody out if you were able to do that? All right. So and they didn't know. All right. So you're just sitting in the house and it's getting dark and darker as it does. Uh, and then they've come over and they go, blah, blah, blah. How are you? Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your granny, dada, and all that kind of stuff. And then you sit back and then Tim and lady go, hey, granny, turn on the lights. <laughs> then the uh, lights just, some... boom, come on. And then this voice sounding like a granny goes, there you go, pet. <laughs> That's some serious sixth sense nonsense going on there. Do you think maybe I should stop right now? <laughs> I think maybe I, should, maybe I should stop right now. Listen, that's the news for this week. You get the lowdown, as always, on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, newsletters, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Ireland's digital response to the COVID-19 pandemic has been widely applauded, but each stage of the strategy came with its own unique problems. Gary Drennan is Solution Area Lead for Ireland at Avanad, and he spoke with Niall Kitson about how his team handled the development and the rollout of the vaccine passport portal in July of last year. Gary, when you were given this particular project to work on, it was kind of an interesting time for the country. Uh, if you'd like to take us through uh, what you were doing or not doing uh, when this contract or, or the proposition of this contract landed in your lap. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so interesting enough, I had actually only just joined Avanad in June 2021. So at this point, we were about that's 16 months into the pandemic at this stage and actually got a, a message on, on a Sunday saying that we needed to have a, a work call on, on a Sunday, which obviously is quite rare. So um, when we had that call on that Sunday evening, it was the 13th of June and we had been approached by the government centre and, and ourselves to come up with the plan for the contact centre for the rollout of the, the COVID certificate. So in June as well, um, they were in the midst of a, of a cyber attack that had just happened in May 2021 as well. So the HSE pretty much grown to a halt for, for the month of May and early June. So they were kind of starting on the back foot basically to, to, to get this COVID cert rolled out. Initially, the, the plan for Europe was to have it from the 1st of July, but the government had committed to the 19th of July. So from the 13th of June, we were tasked to, to get this up and running for, for the 19th. Wow, so it's an extremely quick uh, turnaround. So how big was the team that you had to work with then? Was it, was it a case of let's just bring in as many bodies as we need or was it people that were already with the company? 
Um, it was a lot of people that were already with the company and it was also people that were starting during the summer would come on and build this out. So I think at peak, we probably had about 15 people on it. So that would have included a delivery lead, Azure architects, CRM architects, Power Apps developers. We also had some security resources there to build out the security for the system also. So it was quite a big team at peak, obviously putting in a huge amount of work in the, the short timeframe provided. So when you were given the brief to uh, to work on this project, were you given sort of a, a, a list of, okay, it's got to be user-friendly, that's the top of our list, or okay, what's the back end that we're going to need to make this thing work so people will be able to use it and it will be, you know, responsive? You know, was there any particular hierarchy involved or were you able to take control of the project and go, okay, here's where we start, these are the foundations? Yeah, we were very much given control of it because of the extremely short timelines and because of the the uniqueness of the ask. You know, obviously, this had never been done by anyone and everyone across Europe was doing it all at the same time. So yeah, we were, we were effectively kind of given control to play with it, but being in the sense that every probably adult in, in the country was going to use it over the next couple of months, obviously, uh, user experience was key to it. So, you know, to make it as user-friendly as possible was key. Um, Avanad being a Microsoft house, so it was, it was all built on Microsoft solutions. So we had a, an Azure backend basically working as kind of a, a middleman for all the government departments passing around the COVID cert information into very secure storage areas that we could pull for, for the CRM. The CRM itself then being, by, being Microsoft Dynamics and then all the front end forms that people would have filled out on, on the website at the time that was all built then in Power Apps. So it was a very, very skilled, uh, cross skilled team. And um, like I said, it was probably about 15 or 16 people at, at peak. A lot of moving parts there uh, from getting the, the storage element right all the way up to making sure you've got uh, uh, your data protection compliance in place as well, because you're you're basically storing a, a, a form for everybody in the country. Um, where did that come in as a concern? Usually... That type of stuff is is front of mind on, on any system you build out. But because, again, coming just off the back of the, the cyber attack, that was more of, of, of concern than anything. And we really had to, to kind of show that, you know, rolling this out in, in the cloud, you were able to achieve all the security requirements that you needed. So, you know, in terms of the storage accounts, for example, where we were taking information from the HSC into a storage account in Azure, we were making sure that there was only one single IP address was allowed in, you know, that was coming from the HSC. And then when we were sending information back to the HSC, a similar setup also that we were only allowed to send to, to one IP in particular, we stood up a whole managed security service around it within a couple of days so that it used um, uh, Azure Sentinel to make sure everything is monitored at all times where any user count or any um, outside of the norm that, that the storage accounts were doing, for example, or the functions that we had automating all this, we're, we're doing anything that would report on it. So we we really, really built security in from, from the ground up at the very beginning to make sure that everyone had kind of ease of mind on what we were doing. Absolutely. And and with that sort of uh, climate of, of uh, concern and fear, I suppose, in the ba- uh, in the background of the HSE attack there, as you, as you mentioned earlier. Um, so having a look then at what happened once the project uh, went uh, went on its first release, of course, that's that's not where the story ends at all. You're relying on constant feedback. Were you taken um, uh, aback by any of the experiences people had? Were you able to look back and go, okay, any uh, changes we're going to have to make here are going to be incremental as opposed to wholesale? 
Yeah, so we, it was definitely uh, instant feedback. We were we were getting on a again. So many people were using it. What probably was underestimated to start by, but kind of everybody was that the sheer amount of people that that wanted their cert immediately. So on the first day it was launched, for example, there was I, I think it was we were four or five times over forecast. I think of the amount of people that were looking to use it. So everyone remember there was there was huge problems with the contact center on that day. You know, just being able to handle the calls, people weren't able to get through just because of the sheer amount of call volumes that were coming in. So that was very adamant to us immediately that we needed to ease the burden on the contact center. So quickly the COVID search solution went from relying on the contact centers to very much uh, kind of self-service portal in mind. So, you know, we started thinking of what ways and what easy kind of, you know, we took the information that people were, were ringing up about, you know, so and, and the reasons. And then we worked out what way we could work this into the self-service portal. So, you know, things like if your name was spelled wrong on your, your search, for example, we were able to develop a self-service portal where you could put in the information for the new name. So that would, that would take off a percentage of the calls going in again, you know, family certificates, you know, if you were one person ringing up and you needed them for your whole family, you know, you're, you're looking for kind of six or seven certificate requests on the single call. So again, that's, that's making it obviously a very long phone call. So again, self-service to make, make sure that was um, achievable without having to phone up. So all this stuff was happening in real time and we were working towards it. So we were able to increase the functionality as the weeks went on into the, the COVID rollout. And then leading up to the booster program when that came on as well. Similar, similar kind of a task were done there also. And in looking to change that functionality, um, what sources were you looking at uh, as well as sort of the the overall discussion out there? Was there a, a, um, a well of data or a data source that you thought uh, that you were using to go, okay, time to add this in? Yeah, very much so. So in the, the CRM that we had built as well, we had um, reasons for call, kind of a drop down and, and we, could, we were able to kind of feed off the information that was coming in and we could see what the, the biggest call drivers were. So we were able to see, you know, that um, misspelling of names on, on certs, for example, was a big one. And we could see that certain family certificates or, or multi requests for different certs was one. So again, we were able to, to address that, you know, so being in the cloud, the, the insights to the data that we were having and, and capturing at the time as well is also invaluable. So it's a big advantage of the cloud that you can really work hard on the on the data. We we had a data analyst on the team as well, so they were able to work to you know always always provide the information that we needed. And sort of taking that through to um, maybe other projects that you've dealt with since, uh, were there many learnings from this? You know, a very tight experience, I imagine, where you had very short turnaround, you know, very highly briefed team, and of course that that need to be uh, to be agile and to make changes pretty much on the fly, or certainly within mere days of you know issues becoming apparent. Yeah, for sure. Um, the biggest learning is that because this was a, a brand new cloud solution that was built up from the very um, inception in the cloud was that just the speed of deployment that you're able to achieve using cloud technology is incredible to what people would usually be familiar with or used to, to having like the, the primary one always there is hardware orders, for example, or things of that nature where you're kind of you're just twiddling your thumbs for a number of weeks, but with the cloud, all that is gone. Um, we were able to just get in building the, the system that we needed to build. We were able to quickly get on, have the security built up. Any, any security that was there was able to be applied immediately. It was done straight up. 
using the the scalability options as well that we, we we knew it would be busy so so we had scalability built in from the very start but again benefit of the cloud being that you know the scalability wasn't needed to be used until it was required so it was it was um built kind of like with a good elasticity in mind and then the the, the kind of agile kind of devops approach you know using tools like azure devops where we could automate our releases you know that when we were developing them and they were ready to go we could start putting them in and start automating the releases you know that were repeatable they were very consistent we knew exactly what was going in so we were very confident when we were um, delivering these releases that they were going to be successfully deployed and, and, and see the benefits immediately. That's a really interesting point on automating deployments. Was that something that you'd been familiar with before or was it something that was almost a, a proof of concept and now okay it's integrated into our workflow? Yeah, it's um, it was the first time I come across such a an automated way of doing it. So you know, it, it's still quite a new skill set to have. Um, you know, fully automating deployment. So yeah, this is the first time I got to see it in use and its full benefits. Because the huge part of it is that you know you're confident over your deployments because being automated, there's no external factors really. You've gone through your stage gate, so you know you have huge confidence when it is deployed that you know. Like I said, people are going to get the benefits of immediately rather than, you know, providing such tried and trusted hyper care that people would have provided before for these type of um, deployments. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Gary Drennan, the Solution Area Lead for Ireland at Avanad. If you'd like to know more about Avanad, you can visit the website. It's avanad.com. And of course, that website link is in the show notes on your podcast player right now. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie and of course you can hear us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. On the next time from myself Dusty Rhodes and from Alec Kitson thanks as always for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.